Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. As now I'm older and my palate has morphed into whatever the heck it is today. (laughs) I was going to say become more refined, but I guess your way of saying that is better. I mean, I used to hate tomatoes. Now I love tomatoes. So my palate is like, what the heck are you doing? (laughs) I'm still not a big fan of like the texture of tomatoes, but I love the taste of tomatoes. And also I'm almost 30, so I know that they're good for me. So I just kind of make myself eat them. Yeah, I put them in my eggs. I I love buying Roma tomatoes. I feel like they're cheaper than buying the grape tomatoes because the grape tomatoes always go bad so easily. And I'm like, I don't want to eat a shriveled up grape tomato. I want something that's soft and smooth and tastes still really good. You know, I bought a pack of them at Costco and I feel like it lasted like a month and a half. But see, I don't go to Costco. (laughs) Find someone who has a Costco card and mooch off of them. Well, also, I don't. I think Costco's, I live closer to Sam's Clubs, or a Sam's Club, but it's still far, it's still out of my way. (laughs) I'm saying you just need to be friends with the right people. I like to buy minimal stuff, and I've noticed that whenever I buy, like, full-on Roma tomatoes, they last way freaking longer than when I've bought grape tomatoes at King Supers. So I think Hmm. I'm going to start doing that from now on, just buying, like, four of them, keeping them in my crisper, no plastic bags, like, covering them or anything like that, letting them breathe and cool, and especially now that it's, like, really cold here now in Denver. Things, I think, preserve a little bit better, (laughs) maybe? I'm sure, Yeah. Yeah. Wow, we talked a lot about crackers and things. Well, we are getting some, like, happy hour vibes from the beginning of this episode. Uh, So I guess we should probably Mm. just start our actual episode. But before we do that, should we just, like, show off our Patreon? Because, I mean, if you're listening to this and you like what you are hearing slash what you've heard, you should definitely find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe. Uh, we do have a happy hour series where it's usually Catherine and I, sometimes we have a theme. Sometimes we're playing trivia. I think we're trying to be a little bit organized about what we're doing, but normally we're just grabbing a cold one with the boys. And We just recorded a whole happy hour of us eating McDonald's breakfast. And talking about McDonald's. And talking about chicken, please. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we're going to have to have like a happy hour fast food themed ser- mini series. There's going to be something. <laughs> Here's a little blurb from that episode. If you like what you hear, please consider joining us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe. Tell me about your McDonald's order. Do you have a go-to for their breakfast? They you, they don't have it anymore, but it used to be on their dollar menu. They had mm-hmm. the um the spicy chicken biscuit. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that was my favorite. <laughs> it was like a spice, like, because they didn't have a regular chicken, it was just spicy chicken. So, and I was like, that's fine. And mm-hmm. I would sometimes like add cheese, you can add egg on it. But that would be my go to, and now it's not on my menu anymore. Oh. Yeah, like, they still have the dollar menu, but they took it out. And I'm like, what? So I have resorted to the sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Always a biscuit. Do they have a spicy chicken biscuit at all? Not at mine. Well, I even looked on the menu online because I went online. And I was like, okay, do they have it still? <laughs> and they don't. And I was like, well, that sucks. Do they have any kind of chicken biscuit? No, they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, they might have just realized they can't compete with Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I mean, like, their sausage McMuffins are kind of, like, more known, and their McGriddles and everything like that. I mean, it's still good. Like, still mm-hmm. good. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I'm looking online. They don't have it. That's wild. It's so sad. And they used to. They had mm-hmm. it, like, I swear to God, like, earlier this year. They definitely had it. Because I went, and I had one, because I was craving it one morning. And I was like, I'm just going to go. And I'm going to get my work done. <laughs> You're like, I deserve to treat myself. <laughs> It was like, I don't really do anything in the morning. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to drive. Because I live like, I live like five minutes away from a McDonald's. So it's like, easy. Same. <laughs> They're everywhere. What are you getting? Mm. Or what are you eating? I have a go-to. I have a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit and two hash browns. Mm. And that's been my go-to, I feel like, for years. 
their hash browns slap. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. I know they're just like little frozen potato patties, but they're like so much better than anything I could ever make at home, and I don't know why. Probably because I deep fry them. Yeah. It's all I wanted when I was a kid. Like when you were like mm-hmm. a little kid and you're like you walk into the McDonald's and you smell the hash browns and you're like it's so good. Smells like home. Yeah. <laughs> it's so nice and like home it's like warm and home homey. <laughs> When I went to uh, Milwaukee for grad school, I lived f- like five minutes from a McDonald's because I guess there's always a McDonald's five minutes from wherever you are. In Milwaukee? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's like Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And I remember one time I got drunk with friends and one of my friends who was sober drove us to McDonald's at like 2 a.m. because they were open all the time. This is the years that they did the all-day breakfast. Oh. My friend was just like, what do you want? Because she was doing drive-thru. And I was just like, I want a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit and seven hash browns. (laughs) She's like, I'm going to get you two. And I was like, five. And she's like, I'm going to get you two. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Drunk me knows what I want. You know, you want seven hash browns, like... I feel like I could eat seven hash browns. Like, I've I've been contemplating, I've been really seriously considering, should I up my normal order to three hash browns? And actually, we both have a drink for this episode, because we're recording this at nighttime, so... At night! In our happy hour episodes, we normally announce what we're drinking, so I am drinking a beer that I bought when I was in North Carolina with Megan in August. It's... By Innovation Brewing, and it's Solvation Mm. Tropical IPA. It's very good. It has, like, tea and fruity vibes, which are not the kind of flavors I would normally expect from an IPA. I would normally expect from a sour, but it's it's working. Like, look at that color. It looks good. I like it. It's, like, as golden as my shirt. Ah. I bet it tastes good, too. I don't know. I like fruity. I like flavors like that, but I wouldn't expect that in an IPA either. No. So. It's good. Yeah. What are you drinking? I am drinking a Schilling's, Schilling Hard Cider um, up in uh, Seattle, Washington. If you ever go up there, it's a really neat place. And I feel like that's the only place where I would actually drink cider. That's where Forks is. Forks is like west of Seattle. <laughs> Like a good hour, maybe two hours away. Who knows? I just thought of the Northwest, okay? It's like geography. It's all the same for me. I I look at maps when I'm bored, so this is my life. But yeah, I'm drinking a, a local legend cider by Schilling Cidery, so they're really good. Nice. I like them. Well, I'm Brittany Ross. That's Catherine Flincham. That's me. That is you. Uh, Hello. Today, we are talking about chapters four and five of Everything is Effed by Mark Manson. These two chapters were really, like, they were deep. We were talking about it a little bit before we started recording, and what did we say it was? It was, like, a deep, dark cave. Dark cave, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I think it's, like, kind of both in the same way. And I think I, I say that because I did not expect this topic to go to the direction that he went to be really honest i did not expect this book to be where he went with these two chapters the first three chapters were more about like self-control and everything like that this was more like there is no god (laughs) how to make a cult (laughs) and yeah stuff like that like how to make a cult which i can see how that might turn people off if they first read it but It was interesting. It was really interesting because, like, yeah, I did not expect him to go in the direction talking about, yeah, making, like, your own, in quotes, like, religion and then, like, going into this whole thing, like, religions are all about, like... Like a sense of community and... Sense of community. And it makes... I I mean, I mean, when I was reading it, I was like, it makes sense. (laughs) It makes sense to me. He ties it together at the end, but it seems like it takes, like, a good 30 pages to kind of get to the yes, point. Because exactly. I was, I, I didn't take notes on this because I was like, what the fuck am I reading? And I know. <laughs> I was going through it, and I was like, I don't understand, like, suddenly why it's, like, a how to make your own religion thing. 
Yeah. It took me a second to figure out how it tied into the rest of the book, and it's not until the end where he ties it all together. I don't know. I feel like... It was a lot. I get why he did it like this, but I feel like there might have been a more effective way to do this. Yeah. Because, like, chapter four, I'll be honest, I read this all in, like, one night because I had the time, and I remember, like, when I was reading chapter four... I mean, I had to, like, sit down yesterday and, like, really thoroughly take, like, reread, like, some things that I put, put, like, my, like, little stickers on to, like, Mm -hmm. see, like, what he was, like, meaning by certain things and, like, what I felt, like, was a really interesting point. But it was a lot. And then when I got to chapter five, I was like, I don't even want to, I don't want to read this. (laughs) Like, chapter four was a lot. And, like, chapter five, it was, like, mm, 20 or so pages. And mm-hmm. even chapter five, like, he goes on for and on about one thing. And I'm like, you could have just said that and, like, lessened <laughs> all that content. Yeah, both of these chapters definitely felt like he was maybe trying to meet, like, a word goal or a page goal. Probably. <laughs> it's like in, a, like, high school or middle school when you knew that a page had to be a certain length. Yeah. So you would like make the borders slightly different or the font slightly different so you could try to get around the system. Uh, yeah, like I'm going to make it 11.2. Mm-hmm. They'll never know. No, Times New Roman 12.9. Mhm. <laughs> Unless like the teacher has like a ruler and is like measuring the units like do they get the borders right? <laughs> Chapter 4 is him kind of starting off like he's basically putting these, like, different steps of how to create, again, in quotes, like, your own religion or more, like, a belief system, I would say. Like, your own values and what you prioritize in your life. Exactly. And he's doing it in a way where he's like, I'm going to show you these steps, but I'm going to do it in a visual way. Like, he kind of starts off saying, like, pretend that you're watching TV and it's really late at night. And, like, when you're watching TV at late at night, you're probably, like, half dead asleep. Like, let's just be mm-hmm. honest. I do this all the time. <laughs> and I'm not really thinking coherently. And if you're watching, like, cable television for anybody who still has cable, and you watch some info, or maybe if you're watching Hulu, because Hulu likes to put on those ads, if you pay for the ads. If you watch, like, an infomercial, and you see Mark Manson there with his eyes, like, super happy, and you're like, oh, my God, get out of my face. And he's like, I can show you how to make your own religion and get people to follow it. I can show you the world. Yeah, I can make all your dreams come true. Like, basically, that's the title of the chapter, too, how to make all your dreams come true. So yeah. he's basically saying that, like, we're kind of intrigued, like, what do you mean by that? I think he was saying more of if you are someone who's still awake watching TV at 2 a.m., there's likely a chance that you don't really have anything important going on tomorrow or at least important early in the day. And if you're staying up late at night, you know, you might be snacking, you might be drinking. Like, let's be honest, you might be questioning some choices that maybe led you to that point. So he kind of implies that the person that you are is maybe someone in a crisis mode. So you see him in his little televangelist mode as like a prophet (laughs) that's what i was thinking i was thinking of like that or like one of those terrible infomercials where they're like the shake weight billy mays here (laughs) billy mays here (laughs) rest in peace billy mays oxyclean was never the same without you Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't i really don't know anyway yeah so he's like i can i can show you you know how to get like control of your life back and it's about having a religion or establishing a religion but like the whole idea of of a religion in this chapter is like he's using it as like a metaphor it's definitely a metaphor because he because he kind of he takes it in with like values because everybody has like a different value doesn't he mention that like the first thing that he mentions or is that like the second thing the first thing that he mentions is selling hope to the hopeless like, people will basically give up their whole lives for their, like, religion. He talks about choosing your faith, which is basically identifying, like, what the most important thing, yeah. person, or value is in your life. And he kind of yeah. used the first step to demonstrate, like, if people really believe in this one thing, like, they will move mountains to make it work. You know, people will get brainwashed or ideologi- ideological mm-hmm. mindset, I guess, changes 
completely. He used an example of kids who were very, at the time, liberal and are very now conservative, who, like, in 2005 were holding pictures of, like, the World Trade Center. The La Roche movement that, like, it was... I'd never heard of this movement either, so I had Mm -hmm. no clue about this. I actually had to go on Google and, like, look this up. This is something that cults do. I, I, I can think of one cult that does this, actually, specifically. There is a cult that I know of. They have delis, and they put these delis in college town areas. Like, there's one in Boulder. What's the name of this cult? The 12 Tribes. Okay. They go to, like, they have these delis, and apparently, like, the sandwiches are, like, awesome. I want a cult sandwich. Sign me up. I don't want to go there. For many reasons. Um, Apparently, like... I've never heard of this cult. I'm not a big true crime junkie. I've only heard of them because, like, they were on the news a while back, and I was, like, interesting. And then I watched, like, a YouTube video about them, like, learning more about, like, who they are. And, yeah, like, apparently they go to college, like, areas or, like, towns that have, like, big colleges, and they try to recruit young people. College kids? Yeah, college kids. Because, like, when you're young, when you're, like late teenage young adult life when you're going to college or if you're just going out into the adult world in general you like you might be confused like you have no like you might have like an idea what you want to do but most of the time and I felt this way a lot I was like what do I do with my life like what am I doing what like you're really impressionable because yeah Mark Manson says this too it's like for the first time you have to rely on yourself to be responsible for things that before you didn't have to think about and if you make bad choices you don't have anyone else to blame you know it's not your mom's fault that you don't have your lunch prepared it's your fault that you're not waking up for class on time yeah and so like what this cult does is they have like their delis and they like try to recruit young people they have like pamphlets that they give or they have like pamphlets and information that if you do get approached and like you talk to somebody, like, they will probably, I don't know, I've never been, will try to, like, you know, talk to you about... They'll recruit you, try to recruit you. In some way, yeah. And it's a smart thing if you, if if that is your mission to, like, recruit as many people as you can to follow the same belief system that you do, that you believe in, with the community that you believe in, it's a very smart idea. I don't believe in it, but it's a smart idea. And that's what Mark Manson says, too, with the LaRouche movement, because the LaRouche movement did the same thing. They would hang out in college areas. They would try to recruit young. He said mostly men, but that's what they did. And again, he said, if someone, if you're, like, impressionable, if you're, like, trying to figure out, like, what do I do with my life? What's life's purpose? All that stuff. And someone is going up to you offering, like, a better solution, how to have a better life. Like, if you do this, like, things will get better for you. Then, yeah, you might follow it. You might go for it. You might give it a try. And then if you really like it, you probably will follow it more. And then the cycle continues. It's pretty wild. I mean, he definitely ties it back to cult things. Like, I think he talks about, like, Jim Jones once or twice. He talks about how that... For, like, us normies who aren't in a cult, there are normally one of three, I guess, categories that people have um, that they identify as their, like, God value. And their God value is kind of what we said earlier. It's, like, the one thing that people pick that they're like, I'm going to die on this hill and I'm going to see everything through this lens. As I was reading through this, I tried to think of what my God value is. Same. I I don't really know what mine is. I think mine is, I really don't know. I feel like right now my God value is work. Okay, so when he was talking about it, it made it seem like we pick one and that's like one for the, like, our whole life. But I feel like it changes. Like in different parts of your life, you feel like you have different priorities and different values. Exactly. Like, right, I I know that when I was in school, mostly in school. Music. Music was like the only, yeah, it was the only thing that you're like, Mm mm-hmm doing and that's literally like that's all i remember from being in school now and then like being out of school it became work just work in general everything revolved about around work and now i think Mm -hmm. like right now for me i'm kind of like in between i'm still working like work is a big focus in my life but i'm also trying to focus on like personal relationships 
not yeah. just with like people in my life, very like that are close to me in my life, but also with myself. I feel like mine right now might be something along the lines of like some personal relationships. I don't know, because I think of like what's what's important to me right now and I feel like the people yeah. in my I guess that would be love. Yeah. Like that would be love. So he says that there are three categories, spiritual religions, uh, which are literally religions like Christianity, Islam, Judaism, etc. Ideological religions, and he says these are things that end with ism, like capitalism, communism, environmentalism, etc., etc. Interpersonal religions, which are, I think, kind of the things that we're more talking about, which is like romantic love, children, sports heroes, yeah. political le- leaders... It's interesting yeah. that we're both, we both kind of think that we're falling in the same category. I think it's just because, like, where we are in life right now, though, too, mm-hmm. if you think about it. I think if we were talking about this book 10 years ago, <laughs> when this book didn't exist, but <laughs> if it did, I feel like it would be different. We'd probably yeah. be like, music, <laughs> practice. No, but music would still be, like, an interpersonal. Oh, yeah. No, interpersonal. Yeah, I lied. <laughs> this section was a lot. <laughs> I feel like it's taking like this conversation to really break it down because I I finished reading it. I think it was yesterday and I literally just put it down and I sat there for a second and I was going to text you like, what the fuck did I just read? But I was like, save it for the podcast. (laughs) I could just say it when I'm recording. (laughs) So I'll say it now. What the fuck did I just read? I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I wonder what interesting conversations we're going to talk about with this chapter because I felt my head like had a mine explosion <laughs> but also i'm like what like i don't know the next step that he his next step is to like if you're on this path to start your own religion is to basically gaslight everyone who's wrong so you kind of create like an us versus them scenario with yeah. everything if we're doing i don't know music i guess if you don't like music then you're not one of us anyone who's not a musician just doesn't get it and isn't worth our time then that's creating like an us and them situation yeah or you know if if we're using like your example of work it would be anyone who's not a part of my work life just doesn't understand how busy i am so therefore i don't need to interact with them or deal with them because they just don't get my lifestyle and if it was me and i'm viewing it through the lens of like personal relationships or like love i'd be like okay you're not part of my inner circle i don't need to deal with you yeah so it's this way of like cutting people out of your life if they disagree with you which is a very cult mentality i feel like Mm -hmm. i feel like cults and religions are interchangeable it's the same thing with like politics like there are some people out there where it's like if you vote this way i don't want to have anything to do with you i think that's a very common thing that has happened especially Mm -hmm. In our most recent years. In the post-Trump era? Yeah. Or during, before. When we, I feel like more in the last, like, I'm trying to, like, do math for a second. Six years or so, six, seven years, it's been more heated in that way than it has been before. I feel like I started realizing the heatedness around Obama But also that's around when I kind of started being politically aware. From people older than me, I've heard that it's been kind of since, like, George W. George W. W.W. Well, I also, I wasn't really paying much, like, attention to politics during Obama's time because I was in the practice room a lot. And I was like, I have to practice my flute. She's like, I don't have time to vote. Can I practice my flute? I'll be honest. I did not give a crap about politics a long time ago. That definitely changed. That definitely changed. But back then, no. I was like, music. That was my value. (laughs) That was my religion. I feel like in the world that we live in, it's harder to be politically indifferent. But also, I'm almost 30, so I don't know if that's, like, the world that we live in or if it's the age that I am and the stage of life that I am. But I feel like when I'm talking to kids, they seem more, like, politically aware than I was when I was their age. I do believe it, though, because also kids are, even with kids that have limitations, some kids don't have limitations. They have access to social media, the internet, smartphones. Mm. I have fourth graders that have iPhones, and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, one of them just has an iPhone. I don't, I'm sure they have limitations, but it's like with the age of social media, I'm not surprised that kids are more politically aware. 
is easy to see. I remember growing up and not giving a crap because I did not care. I always thought of politics being on, like, like CNN, Fox, MSNBC, those, like, channels in that same area whenever I was flipping through cable television. And I'd be like, this is adult stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand it. Everyone's, like, yelling. I can't take it. I'm going to watch something different. Oh, look, SpongeBob. Let's watch that. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was how I was when I was a kid, so... I'm just being honest. Like, No, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's just interesting to see how things change. Yeah, it has definitely changed. But yeah, this us versus them dichotomy, it, I don't want to say bad. Like, it could be negative in some aspects, but also it could be positive in other aspects because that brings people together when they have a common enemy. Yeah, which is kind of one of his end points of this is, like, we're all more alike than we think we are. So really what brings people together is having shared dislikes and shared enemies and such. Our enemy is who, Brittany? <laughs> um, Bartok. Bartok the composer or the cat? We need to be specific about this one. All of the above. <laughs> all of the above. But I love Bartok. You you played the concerto for orchestra with me. I love I love the concerto for orchestra. I'll play that any day. I just remember I love it, but I just remember I was the second chair, second violin, and I had to lead the freaking intro for that fifth movement. Yes, I was shitting bricks, man. You did well. Thank you. I love the second movement. The second movement's the best movement out of all. Or no, I lied. I really like the fourth movement too. The second movement's really dope. It's okay because our gold, our, obviously our gold value, God value is not music anymore. So you say as you talk about music. <laughs> The next thing he talks about is, like, the importance of bringing rituals to any kind of anything that's important. And, you know, it can be anything from, like... Dressing up for graduation, like, a robe, to dressing up for church. Celebrating anniversaries. Wearing that tux, wearing that dress. His next step is promise heaven, deliver hell, which is basically, like, consistently telling people that they're a piece of shit. (laughs) It kind of reminded me of pyramid, like, he he brings up pyramid schemes as this, like... Be like, if you work hard, you can get this goal, like... Even though, yeah, like... It's unattainable. I've heard that it's attainable, and I've read about this, like... It's attainable if you, like, are part of the pyramid scheme from, like, the very beginning, or, like, at an early stage, but... How, like, practical is that for many people in this world, you know? Like, there's so many multi-level marketing businesses out there now. And I remember, I, I don't know, it, it kind of, like, brought me back to, like, when I almost got sucked into a pyramid scheme, like, this woman. I delivered a pizza to somebody that was a Mary Kay consultant. And I didn't really know what Mary Kay was at the time because I, like... It's makeup, right? It's makeup, yeah. And I, nev- I knew what Mary Kay was. Like, I've seen it before, but I didn't really understand, like, why can't I just buy this at the store? And that's why people don't buy into it. <laughs> I know. Well, this was, like, when I was 18, and I, like, just started, or, like, 19. I just started, and, like, I didn't really know much about Mary Kay, but I remember I delivered pizza to this lady, and she was like, oh, my God, I love your makeup. <laughs> and I said, yeah, thanks. And she's like, oh, my God, like, I'm a makeup consultant. Like, I can, like, help you out and give you, like, a free makeover and show you this, like, all my products and everything. And I'm like, sure. And I, like, fell into it. <laughs> I, like, showed up at this person's house, like, on another day, and they did the whole thing, like, routine with me, and then they tried to get me to sell shit, and I was like, let me think about it, and I took the free makeup. (laughs) She offered it to me, so I was like, thanks. I had free makeup, but also she kept bothering me. You almost got hooked into a pyramid scheme. I almost did, because, like, she was like, think about it, and then she kept contacting me, because I was just like, I don't want to do this, because this seems like a lot of work. (laughs) You were a lead, a possible lead for her. I was, and I didn't really understand it at the time because she kept bothering me, and I was like, "Leave me alone! <laughs> I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to like do this. I don't know what I got myself into. Like, I'm not a good seller." 
<laughs> I'm not gonna do this. Well, I've heard that pyramid schemes, I guess kind of what we were talking about earlier, how cults like to prey on college age kids. I know pyramid schemes do as well. She did it. Like I was a naive 18 year old girl fresh out of co- like fresh out of high school delivering pizza. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty naive back in the day. I was pretty innocent back in the day. I would have easily fell for that. I had a really good friend in high school who was a year older than me and he left and went to college and we kind of lost contact just because that's what college does. And he, you know, was at college for a few months and he like texted me out of the blue. He's like, Hey, you know, I'm in the area. Like let's hang out. And I was like, Oh, okay. And he tried to sell me knives and I'm like, dude, like you fell into a pyramid scheme and like, we used to be good friends and you come back and try to sell me knives. Like, no, thank you. Uh, yeah, I had that actually happen too with like a f- like a old friend I had in high school, and they like randomly messaged me and they were like, "Hey, like, do you want to sign up for like, do you want to do this like fitness nutrition program or something that they like did?" And I'm like, "I haven't talked to you in like ten years, <laughs> and this is the first thing that you tell me." Are you calling me fat? <laughs> I've had other people do that too. I've had other people that I used to like talk to, or like, I've even had people that I like maybe slightly like would say hi to in the hallway but never like we never hung out they would randomly message me and be like hey cat how's it going i'm doing really good like uh if you want to take a second and like chat and we can talk about this and they're like trying to sell me a product and i'm like i never really was close to you beforehand what makes you think that i'm gonna do this now yeah it's like you're praying on the wrong person I get it. Like, they're trying to do their thing. But basically, this is what this section is, is promising people basically things will get better. But then when you get into it, sometimes things might not get better. Mm -hmm. Like falling into a pyramid pyramid. scheme. Um, His his last step is uh, profit for profit. Profit like Jesus the prophet. And then for profit like money profit. Money. Mr. Krabs. Money, please. This is like a Spongebob theme episode, I guess, and it's really unintentional. Because now I'm just thinking about Spongebob. Weenie Hut Jr. (sighs) I miss Weenie Hut Juniors. (laughs) And this whole section, I think, is just like his closure, where he's just like, you get to decide what's right, and you get to decide what to value, and yada yada. But don't be corrupted. (laughs) Yeah, he says like... If we, like, kind of lose touch of the values, like, if we're, like, trying to influence people in some way, but we, like, kind of lose the values that we initially started that with, then that's mm-hmm. corruption. And then we finally go to chapter five. <laughs> we had a lot to say about that for people who are like, we don't have much to say about this. I don't really have much to say about this chapter. <laughs> chapter five, hope is fucked. He has this whole, like, winding narration throughout of, like, Nietzsche and how... Is that how you say his name? <laughs> no how, how are you saying it? How the turntables, Catherine. How the turntables. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> I love that line from The Office so much. Sorry. <laughs> That's like, I know, this like the stupidest the thing. turntables. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Scott Paper Company. I was saying like, Nietzsche. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Nietzsche. That's what I was thinking. You cannot make fun of me for the next name but I pronounce wrong. I don't remember hearing his name. Like He's a famous philosopher. He basically coined nihilism. I know, but like, okay, I did not take AP world history <laughs> or AP history. Yeah, but he has this whole narration of uh, like Nietzsche in the later times of his life. And he's with this woman named Meta, I think. Yeah. Who is basically, she did a lot for, like, women's suffrage movement in, I think, Germany. Her name was Meta Von... Salas? Meta Von Salas. Yeah, that's what I would say. But you would also say, how did you say Nietzsche's name? Nietzsche! Nietzsche! (laughs) Nietzsche! (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Nietzsche! Now, Now it makes sense. Nietzsche! That's really his name? Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure. I again, I've never taken a psychology or or philosophy class. I've never taken it. I guess like I was never interested when I was younger, and I just mm-hmm. never got it. Now I'm like totally fascinated. I'm like, ooh, but 
I was a little interested as like a high school and early college student, but I think I was just one of those kids that was told their whole life that they were smart, so I wanted to do pretentious things that seemed smart. <laughs> you laugh because it tracks for who I am as a person. I mean, you were you are a smart person, and I mean, I get it because like, oh, thanks. I felt like psychology, I wouldn't get it at all, and that's why I was like, I'm never taking that. Like, I remember when my friends did in my freshman year, and I was like. I'm never doing that. And she also, like, made it seem like I would never get anything out of it because they were like, I have to be there all the time, and I don't really pay attention in the class, and it's a whole lecture hall class, and there's, like, 80 kids, and I don't even think the teacher knows what she's doing, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to take psychology. (laughs) What are we talking about? Nietzsche. Or, as Catherine says, Nietzsche. (laughs) (laughs) Schneiger. Nietzsche. Nietzsche. And I, like, looked at his face, too. Like, I looked him up on Google. And I saw, like, his mustache. And I'm like, Nietzsche? Who is Fried Rich Nietzsche? Fried Rich Nietzsche. (laughs) Who is... Oh, God. Are we going to butcher his name? Just, like, composer names? So, basically, this woman, Meta, basically thought that, like, Nietzsche was, like, super enlightened and wanting to, like fight for the equality of everyone he was the shit to her yeah mostly women and she's like wow he's so smart and like i'm speechless when i'm around him because she was also smart but she's like wow an intellectual mind that i think will help me in my end goal she was like the first woman to get a phd in switzerland like i was like that's amazing why didn't i hear about her and no like she's like it's like she felt like she was not smart enough and i'm like are you kidding me like, it made me sad. It made me really sad. He does this whole thing about, like, women and how we don't, like, see ourselves well and value ourselves well in this chapter, too, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Because we don't. We definitely do not. I blame society for that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Thanks, society. You suck. If I have a daughter, I'll tell her to be strong and brave and in everyone's face. <laughs> All the time. You better be strong and brave all the time! No, basically, she <laughs> was like, wow, he's so brilliant. Like, I want to, like, be with him, like, not romantically, but, like, intellectually. So, like, they became good friends, and she realized that, oh, he's just, you know, really dependent on everyone and frail and kind of thinks about himself and relies on women to care about him. And he wasn't really practicing what he was preaching. Which I feel like happens a lot to people who are very, like, thinky, is they get in their heads a lot, and then they kind of lose touch with reality. Like, serious yeah. intellectual intellectual people, they get so in their heads, and they're like, this is how everything should be, but then they lose touch with the fact that, like, they aren't reconciling how they are with what they think people should be like. Mm-hmm. I feel like you can kind of see that a lot in, like, philosophers and people who think that they're smarter than they actually are looking at you, Brittany, when you were 18. <laughs> <laughs> looking at me, Brittany, when I'm 29. <laughs> Giving yourself that pep talk for in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks when this episode airs. But one of the quotes that Nietzsche is, like, famous for is saying, like, God is dead. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's basically this, like, metaphor for us killing God because we, as a society, like, don't value things anymore. And we are starting to do all these, like, technological advances that are... Basically, like, making our lives easier because... Yeah, and everything's accelerating at a rate that, like, we can't really handle. So Mm -hmm. he's basically, like, you know, you are killing not literally god but you are killing like what's important to people yeah losing touch with like our values and like who we are mark manson kind of goes off on that whole spiel kind of like that history lesson from like the beginning of time like this is what people thought back then and this is what we think now because like he kind of goes off on how back then like like what you said we didn't have like as much advances back in the day like if you think about like the middle ages if you kind of think about, like, how long the Middle Ages lasted, and it's because, like, they didn't have anything. They, like, plague, disease, nothing, like, moved forward. 
he said it's like the amount of like technological growth in someone's lifetime in the middle ages was like the equivalent of what we experienced in six months yeah it was like a whole lifetime is like equivalent to six months for us and i was like crap yeah so people you know were born in the same area they lived around the same area they knew the same people their whole lives they did the same thing their whole lives they had the same style of clothes their kids did the same exact things that they did the same hygiene practices they died in the same spot so nothing really changed for 40 or 50 years which is whack to think about i can't imagine life like that no. No wonder people, like, went into, like, wars and stuff. Because, like, at least you're doing something. <laughs> like, they go to war. Bye. <laughs> at least I get to see the world. <laughs> I'm going to go on the ship and get typhoid fever. I don't know. Dysentery and scurvy. Dysentery. He talks about the master morality, sorry, the master morality and the slave morality. We kind of get into this history, or not history, but we get into this pattern where, like, the elite just get richer and richer and, like, the poor get poorer or, like, the average person gets poorer. It reminds me of today with, like, the multi, like, with all the freaking billionaires that we have and, like, us, (laughs) the general population. So basically the elite of any society or any population have the master morality, which is the moral belief that people get what they deserve and might makes right. And then the quote unquote slaves of society, basically everyone who's not the elite or the Jeff Bezos of the world have the slave morality, which is that we are righteous and virtuous because of our strength. Basically, our weeks, our weaknesses are our strengths. People who have suffered the most, uh, who are the most disadvantaged and exploited, deserve the best treatment because they have suffered, is what he says. Yeah. The poorest and most unfortunate deserve the most sympathy and the most respect. So, And he says that people who tend to lean left in politics tend to have more of a slave morality because, you know, we care more about, like, community good and yeah. what's good for like the society and for everyone as a whole and people who are on the right side of politics have more of like a master morality i think people who are very like pro military and like mm-hmm. i support black rifle coffee company and every man for himself and right to bear arms and all that kind of stuff i mean it tracks i was like literally like thinking like this is today this is not something new this is like the reality and, this, and it's also been, like, reoccurring for thousands of years because Nietzsche says yeah. that cultures of the ancient world, like the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, so on and so forth, were very, like, master morality mm-hmm. cultures. And then, you know, the Judeo-Christian religions come and they're very much like, love thy neighbor and mm-hmm. whoever casts the first stone and all this stuff very much establishing caring for others like you care for yourself. Mm-hmm. really brings this like slave mentality in and now as western civilization has r- risen more and we have this advance of technology we are kind of trying to fuse these together mm-hmm. and people who fall more left or more right tend to butt heads and that's why we have war because people who follow different religions have different values have different cultural mm-hmm. norms these norms don't add up because, again, like we talked about earlier, people are more alike than they are different. So we bond with people who have shared enemies mm-hmm. with ourselves. Again, like, he goes off, like, on all this, like, stuff, but it all makes sense. Like, deep, dark. Deep, dark. Cave. Deep, dark in that cave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then basically he just kind of says that, like, it kind of went off of, like, how we kind of, like, the whole, like, there's no God idea from Nietzsche that like there's like no hope really we've kind of like destroyed that but we got to like live like there is hope or like live for hope or something like that I don't know it made me like kind of think like did we create hope is hope just a social construct that we created is it made up (laughs) he said like in the 1700s we really got into science and then we created like the scientific revolution you can tell that he loves science by the way like let's just go off like on one page Page 120, and I wrote page 120, he just loves science. He's like, science is the best 
thing ever in the world. <laughs> yeah. He's basically like touching himself to science. Yeah. If you love science too, then read Mark Manson's book because you'll love Mark Manson. Mark Manson loves science. <laughs> I mean, I think we're a pro-science podcast. I yeah, I like I like science, but maybe not to the s- same level as Mark Manson. <laughs> I think Mark Manson like that's his value. <laughs> <laughs> this is religion. His God value is science. He's like talking to like it, it just seems like really serious. And then going up to page 120, he's like, Have you heard this thing called science? Science is really cool. It's amazing. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Science is really cool. He says that science caused growth, basically, and that's what caused us to start changing everything faster. Yeah. And that's kind of when religion started to go on a downhill because Mm -hmm. you know a lot of establishing a religion was telling people that like things are going to be better and then in the after in like your next life basically gaslighting them and abusing them so that way they're they have to believe it but when people start seeing that their lives are actually going to be better and when technology starts advancing for your current life or this life (laughs) to the point where you're not going to be in the same place and at the end of your life that you were at the beginning of your life yeah. You know, like where we are now, it's expected that your kids are going to be better off than you are. Or at least that's your yeah. hope, right? That is a hope. Yeah. So then people don't look to religion as much because they don't need that guarantee of, well, I need to be good in this life. So that way my afterlife will be great. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what caused the downturn of religion is that you don't need to wait till death anymore. Like you could just do all the same shit in life. Like, why wait yeah. for anything? Yeah, you don't have to die of dysentery. You can get a vaccine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can wash your hands. Don't drink dirty mud water. Like, don't. The fecal oral route. Like, you don't need to fall into that. Don't do not do it. <laughs> and then he talks about Pandora's box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is when he gets his whole spiel on, like, women have such a shitty lot in life, because we do. Yeah. You know the story of Pandora's box, right? I didn't until I read that. <laughs> until I oh. read... Yeah, I didn't... I've heard of Pandora's Box, but I never... I don't think I've ever learned what it really meant. Oh, no. I read it and I was like, huh. Like, women get blamed for everything. We got, like... For instance, like, with Adam and Eve. Eve gets blamed for taking the bite of the apple and the fall of man happened. She wanted that dang apple. Like, Eve exactly. trying to eat healthy and <laughs> being a bitch. She was... Trying to get that fiber. She's just like, this apple looks so, like, shiny and good. Let me just pick it. And Adam's like, no, I've just been eating salted meat. Like, don't do that. Pandora shows up on Earth. And all the men are like, oh, my God, a woman. And what do you know? Men are fighting over her. (laughs) And then they open the box. And we cause wars. Yeah, and it opens up, like, everything that's horrible, like sickness, death. So let's say malaria, but that falls into sickness, famine. Sickness. <laughs> malaria. More sickness. Chicken pox. Chicken pox. <laughs> but she also released hope, like hope was at the bottom of our box. So basically it's like us as humans need to like live in some kind of like. Turmoil. Term- yeah, turmoil, chaos, dissatisfied. Like I- there's like one moment where he said something about we need to be dissatisfied dissatisfaction is like a thing like we need to be dissatisfied to be satisfied to find hope like everything is relative it's like when people say you can't enjoy the good times without the bad kind of thing exactly and that was where i was like having my mind fuck like i get it it makes sense mark i get it (laughs) yeah it's like this was a 50 page run around but i get it now it's like we need to like live for hope like there is no hope yeah, act like there is no hope because hope is in action and we need to act despite it. And that acting despite knowing that nothing will get better will give us hope, knowing that we can do better and we are capable of better and we deserve better. Exactly. Which was quite the runaround, but I mean, it's a good point, but I don't know it if is it a good should point. have been 60 pages. I enjoyed no. this chapter because it was like, world history lesson and i felt like i was back in school and i'm like same big brain (laughs) moment i'm like ooh, mythology 
Ooh, history. It reminded me of Do Nothing, because <laughs> that happened in Do Nothing. Yeah, I think we talked about that, too, and we're both like, whoa. <laughs> like, I think I just went through my world history class from sophomore year again. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I like keeping my brain working. I know. Thanks. Thanks, education. <laughs> yeah, I guess that brings us to the end. I hope y'all liked this section. It was definitely a weird take from our first section i feel like this is completely different from his first book to be honest like yeah well i just i don't remember the subtle art of not giving a fuck being like this you know like it wasn't as like philosophical i guess the subtle art of not giving a fuck seemed like it was more like choose what you want to give a fuck about and this is like you need to choose because if you don't, we won't have hope. And here's why. It's it's interesting so far. But the second half, we're starting the second half next episode. I guess part two is called Everything is Fucked. Where part one was called what? Hope. So a lot of hope happened in this first half. And next week, yeah. we're going to learn why everything is fucked, I guess. I'm like, if this was the optimistic part of the book, then I wonder what we're reading next. Exactly. We'll find out. <laughs> You'll find out next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. We plugged our Patreon at the beginning of this episode. Please check it out if you're interested and you like what we do. Um, we are a small business and we support ourselves. Um, I edit the podcast. Catherine promotes all of our social media stuff. So your money goes directly to us to buy books and pay for recording software and for recording equipment and everything to make our podcast better. If you don't have the money or desire to pledge to us on Patreon, you're more than welcome to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. I know for a fact you can do that on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to follow us on our socials, we are at Phil and Pipe on Instagram and our personals at Cat Flinch Flute and at BM Ross Music. If Facebook is more of your thing, follow us on Fiddle and Pipe Forum and we'll keep you guys updated with episodes and content and even I'll try to release some happy hour content um, and we have a TikTok. Yeah. Oh yeah, we have a TikTok. I keep forgetting about <laughs> We are at Fiddle and Pipe on TikTok as well if you love TikTok, so go follow us and yeah thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next week yeah for the next section what chapters are we reading we are reading chapters six through seven will y'all read we'll read and we'll see you at this time next week bye deuces